0: Find out what the whole world is thinking in The Agenda.
1: This week on The Agenda, what is resilient growth and how can we achieve it? We're in Geneva at the World Economic Forum Growth Summit 2023. The global economy has been weakened by a series of crises. COVID-19, conflicts, high inflation, distress in the banking sector, growth remains sluggish. But despite deepening tensions geopolitically and the cost of living crisis remaining acute around the world, there are some growth hotspots. So which countries are driving growth and investment over the next decade? At the World Economic Forum's Growth Summit 2023 in Geneva, I spoke to Mamusi Gigafela, Minister of Investment, Trade and Industry of Botswana, the President of Turkey's Investment Office, Ebrar Daglioglu, and Karen Harris, Managing Director of the Macro Trends Group at Bain & Co. As we speak, there is such an uncertain economic backdrop, isn't there? I mean, is your outlook for the global economy still doom and gloom, or are things going to perk up a bit in 2023?
0: I think there's a lot of um, room for improvement. We shouldn't look at it as altogether doom. Um, w- when we look at, for instance, our entry or into, an, into the African Continental Free Trade Area um, Agreement, which is the largest since the WTO was formed, uh, the whole objective of it is to uh, integrate the rest of Africa from Cairo to Cape, so that we could then um, jointly grow together. There are many other regional agreements that we have in in, in Southern Africa. For instance, we have the Southern African Customs Union and the SADC SADC agreement. Uh, I think, you know, if we properly implement those agreements and um, um, collaborate with one another, uh, there is plenty of room for for growth. And Africa is the new market. Uh, It's a market which has not been uh, exploited before. Uh, it is now time for it to be exploited, and we're inviting Europeans and Americans to, to look into Africa. Uh, it is, especially in, in Botswana, um, being known for our peace and, and stability, our fiscal, uh, our fiscal discipline. It is a, a very, and, and, the, and the vast amount of space available for food production, uh, green energy uh, and production, it is a pro, uh, uh, quite a, an appropriate um, place uh, from which you know certain, um, advanced technology those those companies which are advanced technologically can uh, can springboard from to access the greater African market.
1: So Botswana southern Africa, the, the continent of Africa yes. open for business. I mean yes. Karen, I wonder what your take is on this I mean what do you see um, as the, the key global hotspots but also the challenges that are going to be affecting international trade and investment?
2: I think part of the reason there's such a doom and gloom story is that we're in this interesting period where we're at the end of this business cycle that was bizarrely fast as the world closed and then reopened and sort of bumbled its way into what looks like a recession, certainly in North America and in Europe now going forward. But at the same time, we are at the end of some important secular forces that are also transformational and really will help us, guide us in this next cycle. Probably the most important of those is moving from globalization to what we call a vein post-globalization, which is a more fragmented world. Uh, where trade and, and investment uh, will have more barriers. Now the, there are lots. It's easy to talk about the downsides of that, but I think the opportunities there are. We go from a world that was largely scale was unlimited in many respects. We had uh, free free movement of goods. The larger you could get, the better. And that that presented one set of opportunities. But as we move into a more fragmented post-global world, there'll be different opportunities, certainly in the private sector, to serve different markets that will have more localization, will have more focus domestically. Now, again, it's easy to bemoan industrial policy. And of course, China's always had industrial policy. The U.S., Uh, started quickly out of the gate with the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. But at the same time, I think this more fragmented world creates opportunities for different experiments in green energy, different ways of attacking agriculture and other commodities, and different business structures for trade that I think will be uh, quite positive over this next cycle.
1: You talk about opportunities, so um, Prorak, let's talk about those opportunities and and the green shoots. What do you think they they are? the the things that are going to lift growth prospects is it is it china is is it the united states so are there any particular emerging economies
3: we all agree that you know the growth must be first of all sustainable and secondly inclusive and third it has to be resilient and uh, to achieve that target of course it's not easy but you know uh, it definitely should be inclusive and you know all geographies uh, should be you know uh, aligned in this regards so uh, when we look at you know those you know uh, the growth, for example, for the trade, last year the trading goods uh, were you know below the forecasted growth, and you know for the next year, uh, you know the, the it, uh, WTO expects that it will be 1.7 percent. This is nothing. So most probably, you know, uh, these new emerging uh, industries uh, will make a kind of difference, and of course, uh, the uh, services uh, trade uh, will make a difference. So when we uh, look at, you know, those, you know, uh, global uh, hotspots, you know, as the geographies all those trends that we mentioned, you know, longer-term trends like, you know, sustainability agenda, digitalization, and we all know that uh, globally there is a labor challenge. I mean, we are talking about this great resignation and et cetera. It's all resulting in a a huge uh, supply chain restructuring globally. I think uh, the next growth uh, will be, you know, uh, around this team. So the global supply chains are changing. Uh, Different countries in different parts of the world, like, you know, in Asia, in Latin, in Africa uh, is emerging. And in our region, you know, Turkey is at, uh, you know, Nexus of Africa, Europe, and Asia. We believe that Turkey is taking the advantage of this new restructuring. With uh, you know, given indicators like you know, exports are growing very rapidly, economy is growing, and uh, I think uh, this will be the new theme. I mean, the restructuring of the global supply chains.
1: And Botswana's economy is growing as well. Those growth forecasts that have increased. I mean, are there any particular sectors do you, that you're excited about?
0: Yes, um, t- tourism and and manufacturing, as well as. Um, the pursuit of intellectual property is something which um, we are in, in hot pursuit of, and it's, um, and it's, it's an, at a, one which has the potential uh, of greatly, um, greatly growing the, the economy, but mainly on, on manufacturing. Uh, we have for a long time been an economy which was uh, resource-based and um, not so much uh, one focused on manufacturing because it's, it's a part of industrialization. The bigger uh, the bigger industrialisation pursuit, which we have embarked upon as Southern African Customs Union and also as SAREC and the whole of the African continent, we are seeking to industrialise. Um, so we are, in, uh, we are um, working a great deal and also funding um, initiatives in, uh, in, in manufacturing and also creating a climate within which industrialization can, can flourish. And in
1: terms of investment, Karen, that's going to, to stoke growth, w- where's hot? What's not?
2: I think when I, when I just think about the context of this panel, one of the concerns that I have is uh, when I think about the investment strategy that worked brilliantly for the last since World War II to lift economies really out uh, to transform them, it was export-led growth. I mean, that's what the Asian Tigers, Japan, out of World War II, China uh, all replicated that. And if we think about a, a fragmented world with workforces that are declining in China, in Europe, in the, Uni- the United States growing slowly, that all points to automation. And there's been a lot of talk during this session here in Geneva about, about AI, but it's much more than that. It's human hand dexterity, it's, it's sensors, all of which are disruptive. The discussion about reshoring, which has a lot of energy in North America, is predicated on automation. There simply isn't the labor to do that. And in a world where things are reshored, supply chains shift, but it's automated at the bottom of production, the question is how do countries begin to climb that ladder of manufacturing without that labor arbitrage uh, that was so effective before? And I think that's something that I really, I- I'm really concerned about when I think about development strategies not many countries have the scale of India both internally with markets and externally and so that I think is uh, when we think about growth hotspots it points to North America to to China to those industries Mm -hmm. But other markets will have to be more uh, creative in the strategies that they pursue. So you're
1: talking about being creative, you're talking about being more nimble. i you know Botswana very much focused on diamonds, but there are big investments in infrastructure, mm. aren't there? So also in technology, you mentioned tourism already. Tell us about those and the potential there for, for, for regional partnerships.
0: It's mainly green, green technology, green energy. Um, When we heard um, the whole world um, gravitating towards the abandonment of of, of fossil fossil, um, fossil fuel propelled machinery, we we immediately uh, set our sights on possibly uh, playing a role in the production of electric electric machinery, electric vehicles. Uh, We accept that we are not in a position yet to manufacture a full vehicle, but in terms of harnesses and components, which are electric-based, uh, that's what we are, um, and we are embarking upon and we are, we, we are looking more, have our sights on the wealth of minerals, um, with that we have deposits which can be, uh, be, can be um, useful in our support of the, of the green technology. So we are really open, we also are also very much open to, um, to solar energy because we receive about 3,200 hours of, of sunshine per annum so it's another area which we uh, because we we and we, we Namibia um, are looking at. Uh, so it's an investment opportunity um, in but we are really hoping that there could be some research and innovation to make it make it uh, more sustainable and less expensive to sustain the solar energy production. Uh, because at present we do quite know that uh, yes, it's well 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 and good to the ears to embark upon. But the capital is a, quite a capital intensive exercise and there are challenges of storage of that kind of energy so if there could be research we have we are funding a lot of research and, and development uh, if there could be an, a, a breakthrough in the capacity to harness this energy and and um, and, and um, be a part of the, the greater scheme of the whole world of of conducting our industrialization in a clean in a clean manner so I'm really making an invitation to, um, to uh, embark on green technology. We're not we, we're not blessed with water, so we can't look into hydroelectric power. Um, wind yes, to some degree in the in the southwestern part, but it's not as great as the sun opportunity that is there. So those are some of the things that are really uh, are really um, uh, be my contribution towards. Um,
1: so some, some big investment opportunities there, um, mm. scope for, for partnerships. I, mean, I wonder what the, the investment picture is like though in Turkey, because, I mean, look, you've got eye-watering inflation. You've also had the devastating earthquakes um, and, and the fallout about that. I mean, how can all of that maybe impact the, the longer-term growth and investment outlook?
3: First of all, uh, we would like to thank the international community, especially the international business community, for you know supporting us, for standing with us during the earthquake, and you know we are in the recovery. Uh, secondly, yeah, inflation was high; it is, uh, I mean, declining uh, very, I mean, rapidly. It's being tamed. Uh, so, uh, of course, it's a challenge for all the companies. But a Turkey country like Turkey, we are very flexible, agile, and you know, e- I think we were able to adapt our business models and etc. quickly. And election, yeah. For sometimes, you know, for emerging markets, it's like you know uncertainty, as you said. But I think for the case of Turkey, in the last two decades, especially, we did many reforms. Our institutions are very strong. So for the in, in- investors, especially, you know, uh, we are speaking to international investors every day. They don't have any questions. I mean, in the recent weeks, we have closed many deals. Uh, for example, tomorrow morning, uh, we are going to announce a new investment in an R&D center of a multinational, employing almost thousand people. Anyway, so uh, for I think that's not a you know big o- answer it's kind of you know functioning a uh, democracy thing so uh, when it comes to growth uh, if you looked at the, you know story of Turkey in the last two decades compound annual growth rate is 5.4 percent consider the hiccups ups and downs of the global economy I think we managed to have a kind of remarkable grow, uh, growth and growth and this is you know what we hear all the time from international business community Turkey is a resilient and fast growing economy Of course uh, one of the reasons is that you know our commitment to the reform uh, agenda in the last two decades and this is a continuous uh, reform agenda and we will continue that agenda Secondly we have a deep competent and competitive talent pool within the country especially you know when we consider the global uh, labor challenge I think this is a very solid value proposition Lastly as I mentioned uh, we are at the nexus of Europe Asia in Africa, but this is not just the geography because we have been, you know, living in that geography for a long while. Especially in the two decades, we invested a lot in the infrastructure, energy, logistics, healthcare, and education. And sometimes, when you know we speak about infrastructure in digital in, in emerging markets, digital infrastructure is ignored sometimes. We have been investing in digital infrastructure as well. So. In addition to that we with our uh, successful policies we managed to develop Turkey as a powerhouse in the region Turkey now is a regional manufacturing hub and we are driving our country to be an r&d hub in the region to be a design house in the region and all the global companies are now putting their regional management centers in turkey just as, as an examples in turkey we have more than uh, 600 multinationals having their r&d offices so we have around 100 multinational companies uh, managing the region from turkey so these are the long term uh, fundamental you know value proposition of turkey and it will not change because of the short term inflation it will not be affected with the, the earthquake or you know election uh, will not change it so uh, international investors uh, are committed uh, to our country and we believe that it will continue and this is the you know uh, reason behind our uh, successful growth.
1: You mentioned Karen and um, China before and then they've said recently right they want to press the accelerator button when it comes to foreign diplomacy and um, how important do you think China is going to be to robust economic recovery and changing the investment picture to stoke growth?
2: Well, coming out of 2008, the world, China was the engine of growth that dragged the world out of the financial crisis. It's not going to be that engine this time. It, even the recent GDP numbers, over four percent, still relatively disappointing uh, for hot growth coming out of COVID. And I think that just shows the. Some of the structural challenges that China has and uh, as as they've said, trying to transition their model to a more consumer led one dealing with uh, with the government debt that is accumulated uh, both nationally and regionally. that doesn't mean that China is is not isn't interesting for investors or doesn't have opportunities. but it I don't see it as, having that, in role pulling the world out of the global economy. And it's, it's symbolic of a more multipolar world. There isn't a country at the apex that will have that position uh, it, it, at now or going forward. Is there a region at the apex? Is there a sector at the apex? There will be different regions that serve different roles. I think in this multipolar world, certainly we see uh, one hub around China, another around the United States, that decoupling in terms of advanced technology is, I don't think, reversible in a meaningful way. But that doesn't preclude other parts of the world from having that sort of strength, talking about Tokyo and other areas. And I think, again, that's what's interesting, is there an opportunity uh, more regionalized to serve, uh, to serve in a more localized interest. Saudi Arabia has done some very interesting investments in new energy along with uh, traditional, obviously traditional fossil fuels and uh, Ricardo Hausman, who's here with us has noted that the more diversity in exports you have the better your development path and so as we see countries begin to discuss how to find that diversity there could be new hotspots. But I wouldn't say, as an investor or someone who works with investors, I certainly wouldn't say, you know, put it all on black with any country that's uh, on the planet right now.
1: Gosh, you're talking about the global economy and investing like a game of Russian roulette. or (laughs) Russian roulette, no, roulette, roulette, forgive me. me. You talked about investing in new technology, but I I wonder where where you see those those, um, new investment opportunities to to unlock growth, because there isn't a one-size-fits-all, is there? There really isn't. And different regions, different countries have different challenges.
3: Definitely. I mean, all the economies are in a different stage, so we have to... And, you know, they're... competitive advantages are different uh, and you no know, uh, sometimes focusing on some verticals may mislead us you know when you know, we encounter such question uh, i i try to focus on some uh, trends instead of some verticals And of course uh, uh, we value green economy you know green energy and etc and you know uh, we you talked about you know the period that we you know had in turkey in the last two decades under the leadership of president erdogan uh, w- w- know, a very big advantage of us, he is able to read the global you know, trends uh, you know, very quickly and we, he is making uh, do- those decisions. I mean, our story of green energy started 15 years ago, for example. Because of that reason, what we are fa- you know, seeing now, especially for the FDI inflows in the last three years, let me give you some specific figures. Uh, so, uh, one third of the investments are coming from supply chain uh, restructuring and one third is coming from the Uh, technology startups. This is the digitalization of the economy and you know when I refer to supply chain related investments first of all companies are increasing their capacity within the country uh, through expansions through greenfield investments. They are bringing their vendors or sometimes uh, clients to to Turkey and another trend is to you know uh, it has been discussed that you know now we are talking about a more regionalization in the economy and you know reshoring nearshoring or friendshoring you know whatever the uh, name is and you know uh, when we look at the turkey's effort uh, we are trying to create a region of stability and you know uh, we are trying to integrate our you know geography our neighborhood we are in, uh, ratifying new free trade agreements and etc so this regional resilience and stability uh, is quite important for us so Multinationals would like to, you know, use this opportunity to strengthen their supply chain. So the companies who were manufacturing in Turkey now they are bringing around post manufacturing and pre manufacturing activities to Turkey. So because uh, this is important, you know, to make sure that their supply chain is functioning very well. A few were on the digitalization side, I think all the countries has to transform their industries with the new trends. I mean. Automation, digitalization. I uh, mean, this is a fact. So, just a, you know, another example. For example, in Turkey, we have a very strong automotive industry. I mean, we started manufacturing automobiles in 1960s, and now the automobile world is you know, e-mobility. It is integrated, it is electrified, and etc. So, our policies are to encourage you know those companies to catch you know up with these trends and uh, transform they, themselves. So my short answer is, again, you know, uh, the net trend, you know, to Turkey, let's say uh, the supply chain changes are uh, a major driving force of the FTIs, And secondly, that, you know, digital uh, digitalization of the businesses, including those technology startups, are major drivers uh, of investments and growth.
1: So talking about those trends, um, you know, innovation, ideas, implementation, these are these are things that forms like this have, have come to be known for. I mean, what what should policymakers be doing? What should businesses in emerging and de- in, what should businesses in emerging and developing economies do to turn all of these ideas into action?
0: Uh, po- po- policy, from policymakers' perspective, you've got to you, you got to you've got to pass policies which make it easy e- easy for investments to take root, and once taken root, for it to be sustained. Um, you've got to pass policies which uh, um, give assurance of uh, safety of investments in, in, in within territories, uh, investment uh, protection. But obviously from the African context, we, we, we do things collectively in Africa. We, uh, our, our policies uh, by and large are informed by what the African continental free trade area, the various agreements that come out of or protocols which come out of it um, say. So it is very important to give assurance to um, investments and also have, uh, have um, reduction or elimination of, of um, threats to, to, to security and peace. I have laws which are accessible and open and, and, uh, and have courts which are or judicial systems which, which are independent uh, to which investors can look when they feel aggrieved. Within the the land within which they would have come in and 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 invested, so I think those are really the the things that we we need to um, we need as policymakers be looking into. But it's not just a question of having a policy; You've got to have to also follow it up, yeah, uh, follow it up and implement. Because a lot, many times, we find ourselves with policies and laws, but you know, the, we the responsible leadership simply giving it out and rolling out to the public. But then not m- ensuring or making sure that those that y- y- your levers, the ones with which you implement that policy or law they're so actually they're actually working thought, thought through they're thought through they're actually working yeah. um so um we 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 need to keep an eye on it to be sure so that these policies are not just many of the documents which get churned out good to the ears and then get put away in shelves what i
1: want it. to use the last few minutes yes. to see if there's anyone in our in our studio audience here yes. who, who've got some questions for you
0: My name is uh, I run the uh, coordination of the African Continental Free Trade for public and private sector in Nigeria. Going forward, how do we uh, use, well, go forward with digitalization and automation, but how do we also solve unemployment? Where are we going to create jobs for these young people if we start bringing automation Find out what the whole world is thinking in The Agenda.
1: I'm going to have to cut you Thank short, you but me. big thanks to Musi Kafella, to Burak Daglio, and to Karen Harris from Bain & Co. It's been upbeat, it's been interesting, and I think that we've all got a lot Thank to you. take home with us. But for now, from me, Juliet Mann, and from all of the Agenda team here in Geneva, goodbye.